Hey, y'all. You're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your hosts, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. This episode is sponsored by Box Up. If you would like to improve the sound quality and visuals of your content, but don't want to make the commitment of purchasing equipment, just want to rent it, then try Box Up. You can visit their Instagram page at TryBoxedUp or their website, TryBoxedUp.com. This episode, we are talking about the Disney Channel 1997 started sitcom that ran for three seasons, Smart Guy. He's a smart guy. Love that song. That's the the theme song is really the only quote that I have. Your brother is smart. <laughs> <laughs> this show stars uh, Taj Mori, T and Tamara Low brother, John Marshall Jones, Essence Atkins, who looks exactly the same, but yep. the real stars of the show, Ooh. Jason Weaver and Omar Gooding. This oh, show yes. would be nothing without them. They 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 did their thing on this show. They they, they need more credit for this show because they carried it on their backs. <laughs> they did. They were hilarious. I love them. <laughs> I loved it. And I really feel like we have to give them even more kudos because it this this was the blackest Disney ah. <laughs> show ever. Like what? Some of the jokes were like, whoa, this they could never say some of this now today. I think the the producers probably didn't catch some of the stuff, like some of the references and stuff that they was making. They they didn't even get it. So it just flew right over their heads. Disney has well, only really done like five black things, like right. real, real black things. Real black. This, this, this is one of them. Yeah. This, this, and I this, count Goofy yeah. movie too, because I feel like Goofy is black. I'm, I'm going to throw that out there. But besides that, that, maybe Raven, maybe Raven. I mean, she the one who got us all hooked on doing the little... What's that shit? Little, yeah, whatever rock. That was thing. her favorite little dance. I love doing it now too. She did. <laughs> it's my jam. <laughs> yeah, but this is what top of the top right here. <laughs> this was, and you know what was interesting? I found out that this was a a WB um, production, and they actually made a partnership with Disney. Um, so that they could change the audience, right? Because WB, they had a lot of black sitcoms on their on their channel. And then they kind of wanted to pivot to have a wider audience. And so they partnered with Disney. And I think that's probably why it still it has some of this like non-kitty type of humor or, you know, it's well written. It is very well written. It's mm-hmm. um the acting is amazing. And I think that's what makes this sitcom so great. And Disney got lucky with this one. They sure did. And I, again, a credit to Jason Weaver, Omar Good. And Jason Weaver recently said in an interview, like, even when if they had us try, if they were trying to make us say some stuff that was like corny, we, we would say, I'm not saying that. But he he appreciated the producers for allowing them opportunities to say no and change lines. OK, well, how would you approach it? And really listening to them, which is mm-hmm. important. But I think to, to the point that you're making with, it being WB, I still have a bone to pick with WB about how they use the Wayans brothers and all of them to to kick mm-hmm. off their 
network and mm-hmm. then switched it up to Dawson Creek. Fuck y'all. Yeah. And the Wayans Brothers didn't get a farewell episode. I'm still mad about it too, just like they were in Scary Movie. I'm not over Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, huh. Well, you know, Smart Guy didn't technically get a farewell either. I mean, he... He grew up and he went through his puberty. Oh, I was so cute, right? Um, <laughs> you know, there's so many speculations as to why the show didn't continue. But I know for one of them, it was just kind of how we're going to like start to phase into this new um, pre-adolescent version of this kid um, and what that storyline would look like. I think they at least should have got senior year. But Omar Gooden yeah. said that Taj like wasn't coming back. Like <laughs> basically at first he just didn't come to work one day. And then they was like, oh, well, the episode is about you and Marcus. <laughs> I mean, they could have very well stood on that, too, because they, they carried have. the show. But then he came back to work and finished out the season. But um, Taj felt like I, I'm the smart guy. Like, technically, the show is about me. I'm the star. I deserve a, a pay raise. And mm-hmm. whereas when they first originally started out, all of the actors were receiving the exact same pay rate. And mm-hmm. Omar Gooden was like, it wasn't a bad pay rate. It was just the exact same pay rate. And so if I am the lead, as seasons continue, I feel like I should be be able to negotiate for more. And mm-hmm. they were like, Mm-mm, nope, we've only allocated this much to this black show. So, no, you can't have it. Sorry. So Taj was like, oh, OK, we'll take him a bottle and go home. But I understand it. I do. He I just do. ain't do nothing for real, for real after. So maybe he was tired. Maybe. Lord knows <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if you heard, but um, there was an interview that Taj did and he said that he might possibly be working on a reboot. We don't need that. No, thank you. You keep that to yourself. You don't want um, a smart girl because, you know, I do not. No, I do not want a smart no. girl. I think we can let that lie where it is. I would, however, like a sequel to 17 again that that he did uh, continue to work with Disney and do 17 again with his sisters. Now, that was good where he basically was smart guy just with two sisters, but not they could do that again. But we don't need a smart girl. No, thank you. No. Oh, okay. Let me write that off because she did not like that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Did I disappoint you when you said you'd be (laughs) proud? Oh my god, that'd be so great. And you know, gender roles and yeah. No, we had Boy Meets Girl, Mm -hmm. and that was trash. And so, speaking of Boy Meets Girl, Boy Meets World, Boy the Meets World franchise, the pilot of this show was actually set on the Boy Meets World set. And I was wondering Uh if that was like just because, like, we see that often, like, it would live a single being on. The Family Matters set for the fi- pilot episode yeah, and yeah. this going the same way. But I was like, maybe this is they just didn't invest much into this show because even going forward, the sets were still exactly the same. They just painted the locker and widened the stairwell. But yeah, because they continued with the same set from Boy Meets World. They changed mm-hmm. the house, maybe, I think, maybe. But the, the house yeah. changed a lot. But I was like, well, maybe, you it know, did. the father's it a did. contractor. Maybe he's doing this work himself. You know, <laughs> Look, this year I want a new door. Mm, give me a new door, <laughs> damn it. But, but speaking of the father, I think the it was so plan, great. Plan. Right. <laughs> Floor I, think it, I don't know what I was trying to say. Sorry. It's okay. I, I got it. I think it's great that um, the depiction of a single Black father was, you know, was well portrayed. But what I don't, um, what I didn't realize and what I, I don't understand that we don't give him enough credit as to say like this was like a father figure that we we saw growing up too because like 
He was a good father. He had mad he jokes. He was an amazing father. Like, yeah. he, he he was great. I think maybe because they only lasted three seasons and a lot of the, yeah. the shows that were like Black Dads are the shows that ran for like five or seven or more seasons. Yeah. And so, like, if you look at some of the shows was running like nine seasons in the 90s. And yeah, this yeah. only got three. So maybe yeah. maybe that is the impact because Floyd, I did not diagnose him at all. I just said that he's I a great didn't. father. I just told like, you know, said he's a he's a widowed uh, single father. I gave him a Z code of complicated okay. bereavement. Um, but I felt like he was even handling that well, like because when there was an episode where Yvette was graduating high school and she didn't want to go because their mom wasn't going to be there. He was like, there are days where I don't want to get out of bed because she's not here, but I know that I have to like and he he know, he kind of walked her through the things that he has to do in order mm-hmm. to be able to go through each day and missing her. So to me, he was handling it so well. I think that he was very patient. He was very understanding. He talked to his kids. He asked the question. He apologized to his children when he felt like he had done them wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, he mm-hmm. was a different, he showed up differently for each child because he, understanding that each needed different. I think that he was hardest on Marcus though because he saw the most of himself in Marcus. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I never thought about it in that way as far as like how um, he parented each child differently. I did, however, pick up, of course, how he treated TJ different than the other two, especially with that with that one um, drinking episode. Right. Like, mm. you know, he's like, well, he told me he nothing happened. And he kept reiterating that he trusts him and that he, if he would tell him if something was going on. And I think that's what was upsetting to him towards the end is realizing, oh, he's a teenager. He's turning into a teenager. And you know what? He's capable of lying to me, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, but like you mentioned, the way that he was able to kind of sit down with him and talk with him and, uh, you know, um, explain why he was upset. This is why I'm disappointed in you because you because you didn't tell me the truth after me asking blah, blah, blah. Um, But yes, that's a parenting style I hope to have with my kiddo right like I still want to be able to be like go get my belt I still want to laugh and joke and I want to have conversations with my kids I feel like they can come to me if you know they are experiencing something or they're having a hard time or like the one time (laughs) get your belt (laughs) go get my belt you gonna say it real nice like that (laughs) no I'm gonna say it he he said it I'm I'm going to go get my belt um And the one time where TJ was upset and he was like, do you want to talk about it? TJ was like, no. He was like, okay, that's fine. Long as you understand that eventually we are going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I love this. I know. They were so ahead of their time. needs to write a book. (laughs) Right? How to be a parent. And he had the best voice too. It was just everything. It was just very just, just naturally just consoling and just how he talked. Even when he was clowning Mo about being in his house. It was still very just, why are you here eating up my food? (laughs) (laughs) Like, dang, you know what? I am eating your food. (laughs) It's good. They said, well, after uh, my daddy chipped a tooth on the oatmeal, (laughs) I think it's just better I eat breakfast somewhere else. (laughs) Understandable. You know, what's so interesting is like, there's always that one character and that like that just comes in on the family's, you know, dynamic. And it's like, sometimes it could be that that they're coming from a a bad family environment and they just want relief 
from their situation. But then it's just like it's a common sitcom theme where you get this random kid that just really doesn't know how to go home. Is that just like it, it's a thing, right? That wasn't even the intention of the show. And so the intention was supposed to be the bully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad they threw that away. Because <laughs> he's so cute. And, and just like, how can this cutie be a bully? Hello there. Like, <laughs> I, I just loved it. But um, I think that, well, Mo had very much so loving parents. And they even, where we find out that Mo is adopted, yeah. his parents were still very much so there for him and yeah. wanting him to know that, like, you are our son and all of those things. And mm-hmm. then that became my question. Like, it is very common in sitcoms. It's also very common in real life, too. Um, yeah. <laughs> we had a whole, my aunt had a whole friend that lived with us for a while. Matter of fact, me and her shared a bedroom. Like, she lived with us for a while. And so mm-hmm. I wondered, like, in if I were to see the Hendersons in family therapy, should they bring Mo one session? I feel like, like they should. How do you even collect that data in intake? Because you ask Mr. Henderson who all her kid, all his kids is, he's going to identify his three. Like, how do you eventually get to, but Mo would have so much insight. He is so integral in yes. their baby living. Like yes. him, the way that even him and Yvette interact and how he's a very much so a big brother to TJ. Like, mm-hmm. I would, I would definitely include him. And the thing is, is that we are looking at it like, oh, this is just based off of the family system. But we we have to recognize like it's a community system for most mm-hmm. people, right? And so I would I would challenge us to change how we look at family dynamics and recognizing that the family isn't just a small unit. They're actually a part of a larger community. And so who are the people that are coming in and out of this family unit and recognizing like, oh, okay, so this person has a lot of input and insight. Of course, you know, because we don't want to necessarily deal with such a large group of people already within a family <laughs> dynamic, um, we don't want to necessarily include them. But if it was someone like Mo that is consistently in the space, you're hearing their name, you, they're referring to them constantly. I would definitely say, okay, let's let's invite this individual into this space because I really would like to get to know them and hear their their part in what's going on here, especially if there's like any issues, like you know, like or you know, certain patterns with certain things of like the kids getting into certain trouble because this one little kid is is hanging around. Hmm. I mean, I mean, let's talk, Marcus. What's what's your thing? You know. Yeah. yeah, Marcus very rarely did get in trouble without Mo. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's true. So so what would be like a question that you would ask, uh, ask a family to see if there is an individual like mm-hmm. Mo that needs to be included in treatment, whether it be on a consistent basis or even just a, a one-off or a conversation? I think it would probably sound something like, you know, is there additional um, members involved with your family or is there additional individual that may not necessarily be a part of the nuclear family system, but, you know, contributes and is around um, isn't blood family, but you consider them to be a part of your family? What who who is that individual and how do they show up for you? Um, and if they care, if they're able to articulate that individual, then I would encourage them to to bring them on in. However, friends, I do not do family therapy. <laughs> Let me make that clear. It's Crystal. I think you coming even closer to the mic. Uh- <laughs> I don't do that. We don't do that. 
Yeah, you're giving your uh, Mr. Henderson voice to be very okay. clear. <laughs> yes, you know, very calm, but very assertive. Yeah. <laughs> it's a challenge, honey. I, look, them LMFTs, kudos to y'all, because baby, okay, couples and families, they're a bit of a challenge, man, because it's, again, it's not just the individual. You're looking at the whole system, right? And yeah, it's work. And for our non-clinical listeners, LMFTs are licensed marriage and family therapists. Yes. And so there are different special specializations that you could have to work predominantly with families. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy it from time to time. I don't think it would be something that I would want to make my, the basis of my practice though. Yeah. I mean, because it, it does take there's a reason why we have our specialties and that we are trained and we get the hours, you know, to work with that, you know, particular population or special uh, specialty. And I really just never got the experience with it. I'm able to teach about it. I'm able, you know, to throw out a few theorists here and there and can give some insight. Um, but it wouldn't be my jam. I wouldn't, I would hope to not ever find myself in a jam. <laughs> With family, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jam. <laughs> jam. <laughs> That's it. Daddy jam with me. Okay. Um, speaking of, I guess, relationships and family interactions, then mm-hmm. to the, the relationship that obviously the relationship that Mo had with Marcus is beautiful. I really appreciated the moments that Mo had, though, with Yvette. I love their interactions. They were so cute. They were. (laughs) There was a part of me that was like, give him a chance. When you were a senior, would you have wanted a junior? No. (laughs) And so I knew it was never going to happen. But and I think, too, that we see. Yvette just doesn't view him like that. And and because he is so integrated in their family, it does right. feel like a, a younger my brother or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, when she's having the dreams um, about <laughs> them getting married and mm-hmm. she is, and, and Mo is actually in her dream. We could talk a little bit dream about dream work too. Dreams representing things that are unresolved in our lives. Mm-hmm. And Mo is kind of representing the safe choice of picking a local school as a uh, pushing herself and trying to apply to other places. She's like, no, it's not Mo. I don't like <laughs> Mo is great. I love Mo, but no. <laughs> but I like how they work together in the episode two where they were trying to um, win the car and yeah. they had to work together and. I know a song that gets on everybody's nerves. Everybody's nerves. Everybody's nerves. <laughs> <laughs> it was just nice to see a boy-girl, male-female relationship that mm-hmm. wasn't driven off of them trying to bag each other yeah. or chasing each other like it often mm-hmm. is in sitcoms. And they just existed around each other, had bad, crazy love for each other and joke yeah. and have fun. I think that was great about it. You know, this particular, again, this this sitcom hit on some really big issues like mm-hmm. um, or just themes. And one of them that came to mind when you mentioned Mo and Yvette's relationship was the episode about her breast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to look down again. <laughs> right. And are there proportions? And, and, you know, just the conversation, the awkward conversation that she tried to have with Floyd or her dad. 
about her breasts. He was like, this, we need to talk about your breasts. I mean, we need to. And it, it was just like, it was comical, but it was just like, oh my gosh, look at this single father trying to talk about something, you know, with his daughter and it being about her body and how uncomfortable that has to be for both of them, right? Especially when it's when it's something like where she's wanting to alter it and change it for the sake of, you know, what she's trying to do. And and that must have been a really difficult topic, you know? Um, but it also makes me think about um, other difficult topics that they had. So we had the drinking episode, but the other episode was the internet. The child pornography one. Oh my God, <laughs> I was like, what? Like Disney. Yeah. Oh, this. I don't know what. I don't recall this. Y'all. Yeah, no, I, I, do. I, I do not. I was like, where was I when this episode came out? Because I didn't. I had no idea. And then so watching it as an adult, I was like, <gasps> like, you know, holding my breath, especially when they were in the basement. <laughs> oh, my God. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, wait, what the? But I know, little girl, we got to go. <laughs> OK, he snatched her up real quick by them little suspenders, them overalls. OK, he said, let's go. My blood sugar low. Blood sugar. <laughs> <laughs> that was creepy. Um, mm-hmm. But then to think like, wow, you know, um, that is so relevant for today. You know, period. It's been period. creepers creeping on kids forever. And so forever. I. Ugh. I'm just I, I'm glad that the show was bold enough to broach all the topics that they did. Yeah. Um, because they like you said, they're talking about breasts on the Disney Channel. And I was like, <laughs> I, oh, OK. The fact that, <laughs> and then I don't know, was it the same episode when he when he's getting in trouble because he said breasts? He laughed when a teacher said breasts in class. I think that was a different one. It was a different one. <laughs> so it's so ironic. Like, oh, we could talk about breasts here, but we can't laugh about breasts in this episode. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and it was cute to see, too, like TJ get older as to where at first he's laughing at the topic of breasts. And then at, in the third season, he is talking to the other kids that are his age. He's like, I have teenage girls in my gym class and doing jumper jacks and, and all these things. And it's so exciting. And he's watching the girls stretch at the volleyball practice. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, TJ, TJ. <laughs> but that's nice. <laughs> Well, you know, I actually diagnosed TJ. Okay, me too. You did? Okay. Let's see if, we, if this is the same thing. I think you might have. Um, so I gave everyone complicated bereavement um, as far as the family. Um, but for him, adjustment disorder. Me too. I think the Great. first two seasons, he is really struggling with being in yeah. high school. I think by his senior year, he kind of gets into a groove. And he's like, hey, fellas, we about to be seniors. That's the, yeah. that's the but at first, he is really, really struggling. Very much so. Yeah. And then, then it's like... And Marcus. But I think Marcus right. smooths out before TJ even does. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I could only imagine being in that situation where you're like, where do I fit in? I don't necessarily fit in with kids my age. And then mm-hmm. I do, I'm definitely not fitting in with these older kids, like feeling like an island um, by himself. And then and then having this gift, being gifted on top of that, um, which was interesting because then I'm like, I, I don't know about you, but I get like these little um, posts or whatever about these kids, these young kids starting college. 
and stuff like, oh, mm-hmm. this 12 year old started med school. <laughs> and <it was> just <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I thought there was just only one TJ. Um, <laughs> so now it's not as much as a cool thing as it was back then. Like, for him to be starting, um, I think it's high still school. cool. I think you, you pretty, you still pretty special. <laughs> oh well, yeah. I mean, if you're 12 years old in med school, I mean, you, you pretty, yeah. <laughs> you absolutely are, are incredible. Yes, and and I think there's this little girl now on like she has a TikTok. Oh, I wish I had. I wish I knew her name. And like she's like, the, I think she's younger than six, and she's able to call out flags just by looking at them. She's just like really intelligent and can pronounce words, really difficult words. So her mom would record her reaction to people saying, oh, I bet you she doesn't know this. And she is spicy, honey. Oh, she was like, I bet you I do. And then she'll be able to, you know, say what it is. Oh, man. But these kids. Yeah. Like, I, I guess what I'm saying is like now it's it's becoming more celebrated, it's being more um, widely shared that we do have really intelligent kids out there, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's not just something that we're seeing like as a show on TV. It's like (laughs) in real life, like, wow, it really exists. It Mm -hmm. does exist. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And to pull out uh, my DSM here and go through the criteria for uh, adjustment disorder it is a diagnosis where the development of emotional or behavioral symptoms in response to an identifiable stressor occurring within three months of a, the onset of the stressor. The symptoms or behaviors are clinically significant by uh, marked distress that is out of proportion to the severity or intensity of the stressor, taking into account the external contents, context and the cultural factors that might influence symptom severity and presentation where there is significant impairment in social occupational or other important areas of functioning and the disturbance does not meet the criteria for another mental health disorder and is not merely an exacerbation of a pre-existing mental disorder but yeah so i think that we see that marcus Kind of. He he has a normal reaction to the adjustment where it's like not okay. And he's like, well, we're like, he's here. This is supposed to be my space. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting pushed out, which if we look at birth order kind of fits alongside with that already with Marcus being the middle child and kind of feeling yeah. that it being dethroned by the, the baby of the family and then having the baby be a genius. <laughs> right. And how that push and pull and you have to assert yourself in the family and kind of find your own way. And then for him to then come to your high school and be in your exact same grade and kind of take the way of the, the arena that where you did run, it was your safe space. We mm-hmm. kind of see that play out. But it seems like Marcus adjusts very well to that with the help of his father and having his own friends and developing himself as an individual. Whereas TJ suffers with it for a little bit longer, which is why I think we both agreed on the adjustment disorder. Absolutely. Yeah. And then as far as like, I I really honestly, they had their moments where they definitely like any sitcom had their stupid moments. Like seriously, guys, why would you get yourself into this predicament? Like, but there was really nothing that that clinically I could say was so you know, ridiculous or outlandish that I, there, I had to tack on some type of diagnosis um, because I felt like they were being typical teenage kids. And this is a, a healthy, well-adapted yeah. family. And Marcus, yeah. even though he has his dumb moments, um, he is 
he has so many highlights as well. He yeah. is has a great entrepreneurial spirit where they started the barbershop, even though they were operating without a license. That was mm-hmm. successful. They mm-hmm. started the phone line, which was successful. They just, you know, pushed TJ a little bit too far. Got a little greedy. But they also started the uh, the hood safaris, which Loved we it. see being successful. Love and then that idea. Okay. <laughs> Marcus had great business acumen where he kind of ended up being the person to speak to the club manager about them continuing to perform. And yeah. was a great performer with yeah. wonderful ditties like uh, Love Always. And, uh, and of course... Don't hate me for being a dog. Mm. <laughs> That's the jam. <laughs> but Marcus, um, I think that he he very much so identified that school was not his shining place. That wasn't it for him. And he had identified his passions and wanted to pursue those and also understood that while he was in Floyd's house, he was going to follow Floyd's rules. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to go to school. I'm going to do the bare minimum. But I also know that after after I'm done with mm-hmm. school, I'm done with school, bro, because I got these other things that I'm focusing on. And yeah. when they took the school aptitude test and he got man- middle management, he was happy with that. Like mm-hmm. that, that was good for him. And so I think that there there isn't any way, any way that Marcus is experiencing a certain level of distress where he would even need a diagnosis. This was a happy, loving Black family. And I just loved every minute of it. <laughs> I did too. I did too. And I'm happy we did it um, because it really did. It was like a relief. I mean, honestly, um, from some of the... <laughs> The sh- movies that we've done so far, especially from the 90s, it was like, damn, the 90s was a terrible time. But <laughs> this was like a, a little moment of reprieve and just like, OK, yeah, we, we did have some normalcy um, in some areas, even even if it was just on TV. You know, um, it was really nice to see that in the show. Definitely agreed. I wish that. Disney or WB or whoever the hell was putting the bill because the executive producer changed each season. Mm-hmm. But I wish there was just more investment into this show. Like there were so many things that like I got really tired of seeing the sound boom in the shots. Like the editor, oh, you mm-hmm. felt like you should just leave in that we could see we could see the boom over their head. Like that's not OK. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> this season three kind of got out of order a little bit with the episodes. Like TJ got older, then younger, then older again. Like yeah it's the child growing up like we could tell when y'all don't do certain stuff accurately and like i'm really confused on why the theme song changed yeah that part too that was really different Mm, yeah and you know i wonder when when we're watching tv um sometimes like the television like the television the the company can air out of out of order right so they'll kind Mm -hmm. of put it in random and, and some type of shuffle. And so maybe it didn't matter how the season was done because it's, I mean, Hey, we're just going to get it out there. But yeah, I don't understand why they decided to change the theme song and just, it was, it was interesting. This season three, some episodes had a theme song. Some episodes didn't have a theme song. I was just like, Oh, okay. All right. Just, yeah. They just chopped hmm. and screwed that one. Hmm. We deserve better. We do. Which is why we need a reboot. Oh. Well, I tried, friends. 
I be get it. I ain't got to watch it. <laughs> me, you write. Let me write a letter. Dear, I'm writing a letter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> see, I am a black woman in America <laughs> who grew up in the '90s, and I need this show back tomorrow. I mean, it's it's there. I'm just happy it's there. It's, mm-hmm. I, I can take that, I guess. <laughs> And so I think, too, I liked how balanced the, like how you were saying before, the show is wonderfully written. I think it it was even very balanced on the issues that they focused on between the different children. Like Yvette just wasn't Mm -hmm. a throwaway character who was in the background with awesome one-liners. There were consistent episodes where she was very prominent and um, they talked about her a lot. And she kind of had that role with again, being the firstborn child and being the only daughter where she almost was assisting Floyd in some of his parenting in different ways yeah. where she would see him, like she yeah. would ask certain questions. Like she knew that she was the child. Like she didn't, she wasn't trying to take on the mother mm-hmm. role in, in the family, but very much so an own, uh, a firstborn child where she would be oh, like, yeah. are you sure about that, dad? Yeah, yeah. Especially with that that drinking of that alcohol mm-hmm. episode with uh, TJ and just her, it, if it wouldn't have become a thing if she didn't see certain patterns and behaviors. And then the fact that she got the phone call or she's the one that intercepted that mm-hmm. phone call saying that there was some drinking at this party, you know, and then I thought it was really cool. And, and like to your point, just being that additional parent kind of figure and her talking him through the pamphlet, you mm-hmm. know, that he was looking for when kids are when you have a, a teenager who is involved in alcohol with alcohol and she's like well you don't need that for us she reminded him like you we are good kids you said that you threw it away because you had good kids and you didn't need it (laughs) right we are still very much good kids however this is what it did say um and just kind of that support I can imagine was was really helpful for him and especially while he's trying to scramble to find a way to deal with it and here she is like kind of walking with him along throughout this like okay dad this is the problem this is how we we can go about it you don't have to make the punishment so harsh and that's when you see floyd going back and saying okay i i overreacted a bit you know so and admitted when he was wrong which is such a beautiful thing i wish more parents did it um yeah. something i like you said, I want to be Floyd when I grow up and become a parent. I'm going to watch Smart Guy a couple more to get some tips, pointers for when I'm messing right. up because Floyd was awesome. And I think that, I think too, uh, going back to Yvette, like the way that she was able to talk to her father, because especially on sitcoms, we see the daughter and dating and what that looks like with the father. Whereas mm-hmm. Yvette was like, dad you're being me like dad don't do that like we're gonna sit we're gonna have this conversation mm-hmm. we're gonna this is how this is going to go and her be really able to stand up and, and advocate for herself and what she felt like was fair and reasonable for her age mm-hmm. she stepped out of line ain't here and there trying to date college boys and all of that but mm-hmm. aside from that uh she very much <laughs> so was like be respectful dad like and then they are coming in to meet them and making sure that the expectations for her and Marcus are equal and that it's things aren't certain things aren't okay for him because he's a boy and not okay for her where she's a girl and she was such a a activist and young feminist and had retrained and mo and all types of stuff I loved her (laughs) yeah she was everything you know another another moment that maybe has been revisited in some Disney sitcoms I don't watch them 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this issue of race, like, mm-hmm. you know, and shot yeah. the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And how she handled it was just like, you know, wow, that that was really, you know, bold, courageous of her, you know, smart, to do that, but very smart and strategic. What mm-hmm. you know, to get the CEO and founder to walk in there, you know, and be like, yeah, this is what she's doing and and let them know. And she was very respectful, even mm-hmm. still. Mm-hmm. Right. She came in, she acknowledged her and then left back out. And she didn't she she didn't do anything outrageous. I feel like I probably would have went in and threw everything all over the place. I'd have knocked something over. Every, OK, went, I would have been walking past and knocked shit on the floor just because just because mm-hmm. walked out and probably got escorted out the mall by security. But mm-hmm. so so she she did the right she thing. Did good. <laughs> she did very good. Right. And so I think that that old bitch fired. I hope. <laughs> I hope so, because we ain't getting no follow through. But it seemed like she might have. Uh, <laughs> you don't get called did. to the back office for nothing. Okay. I mean, well, you might get called back there for something else. And nah, that wasn't the nature of this episode. But when I got fired from retail, they definitely called me back into the back office. So I'm just putting my own experience. Yeah, you right. To- <laughs> okay, let me get my head out the gutter. Come here, mine. Get out of there. <laughs> But yeah, you're right. Because I did, whenever I did get in trouble, it was the back office. And I remember one time I quit. It was was the best day of my life. I had buttons on. And I said, out of my my shirt. I quit. It was so liberating and freeing. It was so liberating and freeing. (laughs) I hated the job. I hated it. I would never put that on my resume. It don't even exist. Never happened. Never even happened. It was only two two months, two three months. Yeah, I mean, worst two months of my life. <laughs> Hell yeah, shit. <laughs> so she did good because if that were me, I would be like, this, <sighs> you know, ripping tags off shit. stuff. Yeah, just being reckless. So, you know who who kind of struggled with being an employee a couple times was CJ. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was so damn smart. <laughs> Telling the people how to do their job. It was like, um, sir, no. We understand you're smart and all. <laughs> he did not like that when he was the, the cowboy ringing the bell for the lunch car. He did not like that. But then even when he did get the more uh, affluent job that he was originally lo- more so looking towards, Mm-hmm. He couldn't find good work-life balance. And I'm wondering if that was just because he's young and, you know, this was his first experience with, you know, being an employee per se, or if that would be something that would continue forward for him as he did mature because work was so important to him and the work, the type of work that he would be doing would be so impactful to not just himself, but the probably the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so how he would attain that. So if we start to look at prognosis for everyone, how do you think TJ grows up? You know, I think TJ grows up. Mm. I know because like I had to take a moment like I was gonna say he's gonna be fine he's gonna be great 
Um, yeah, and he he very much well. I I feel like because of the the family dynamics, he would he he's going to be okay. They keep him grounded. They keep each mm-hmm. other grounded, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if he got too big and full of himself, it was just like dad was there to pull him back. You know, Yvette was there to pull him down. Hell, even Marcus at from time to time, like yeah, chill out. Um, but ammo, ammo. <laughs> okay, Mo was like shit. I'll put you in a trash can. Keep keep playing. Um, so. I feel like it would be he would be good, but I, I there's a part of me that wonders like if he would not pursue certain things after a, a while. Like it, it, like what you mean? Okay, so yes, it, they did encourage him to be the smart kid, but there weren't extra curricular activities or things that that pushed him and would propel him into doing more. Right. Um, and so I'm wondering at some point, he's just like, oh, okay, I'm just going to just be normal. You know, my question is if he as some because he had he's so smart so early, once he gets to college, there's going to be he's going to go to Ivy League school. We've, we've established mm-hmm. that. And so but once he gets there, there are going to be more other smart kids like and right. because yeah. he he was interacting with a couple other of like just smart youth, uh, genius youth. He met them and had really weird interactions with them because those kids were always so weird. And he was so much more normal because he has such a strong support system that mm-hmm. kept him grounded. But going to college, though, where it's not just this small group, it's mm-hmm. everyone here is at some level of intelligence. Is he going to, is his identity in being the smart kid or is his identity in in being TJ and I think that because he had Mo and Marcus with him all of the time I think that helps his prognosis I would be much more concerned if he didn't have if like Mo and Marcus Mm -hmm. didn't teach him how to play the dozens if Mm -hmm. he didn't have Mm -hmm. (laughs) interactions where he didn't get the girl yeah Yeah. like all of those different things the Mm -hmm. cold Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all of those different things I would be much more concerned about him I just hope that he continues to develop uh, an identity as TJ and not just as a smart kid because at some point when you get into the workforce when you are at school like at grad school which I'm sure he would do as well you're not going to be the only smart one there. And how do you handle that? Right, exactly. So I'm wondering if it's, if it's going to be to go inward, to retreat inward and just kind of feel like, man, I can't be myself or um, I'm not good enough. So that that critic coming in and mm-hmm. really causing more um, anxiety than necessary that can be like somewhat debilitating in him moving forward with what he may want to aspire to do or be. Um, But then there's another part of me that feels like because he is so smart, right, that and and just his work employment experience, um, that it feels like he would almost want to be his own employer. And who better to work like as a partner with than Marcus? So I feel like they would actually start a family business together. I mean, well, they're definitely going to help their father because we see that uh, Marcus does great at roofing. And so when he when he was forced to work on the roofs, um, 
they had to lie and tell him that they don't make money in order for him to not want to just drop out of school and begin that career right away. And Mm -hmm. so with Marcus um, being happy with middle management, then maybe that is something that Marcus would work for either the family business or work for TJ and something that they did and then do his music on the side because I don't see him letting music go. Oh, yeah. Because it, it is a big passion of his that he does have. And I think that that was very important for his his prognosis as well is that he had something that he excelled at. And so I think he will be okay. Coupled with the fact that he it just appreciates the gifts, the his life. He's happy yeah. with who he is and he, he's happy with himself and and as and takes things as things come. Um, I think that TJ might actually get to a point where because I think he struggles so much with not fitting in in high school, then maybe also the the not being the only one not having to be a tigger anymore <laughs> yeah, might be helpful for him. So then he might actually get to a point where he does thrive. I'm concerned about him being a boss though, because of their experience where they was um, battling Colonel Bubble Cola and they was making their own soda. Yeah. Cause he was kind of an asshole as a boss. We will raise prices. Like, yeah. no TJ, that was, that was against the business model. Mm-hmm. But I think if he does have somebody like that, he trusts like Marcus or, or even Yvette or whoever, um, that is is in his corner to keep him remind him of certain things keep him grounded i think that that would be helpful as well he definitely whatever he does he needs a board of advisors he needs somebody to check oh yeah him. yeah <laughs> absolutely i agree he definitely needs that um i was just thinking i'm like what is his personality i'm, I'm never good with the um the different what an effj whatever they call them things mm-hmm. um i'm myers never good myers-briggs um but I think that it would be good for him to do an assessment like that with him, get to know for him to know himself and what settings that he's going to be, um, you know, able to work in and um, thrive. You know, I, and I, I do feel like whatever it is that he does d- decide to do, he has to be the mastermind, you know, and, mm-hmm. and working on something, um, but in a, almost like a silo <laughs> Because I don't think he works well with others. <laughs> I think that maybe if he can harness his powers for good, like maybe if he does something like environmental science where he feels yeah. like he's saving the world, then that would give him a better approach to things because he he there were times where he was a leader in something and he had great leadership skills and had those good soft skills and knew how to talk to people. And then there were the times where he like when he was the director and he just wasn't listening to nobody at all. And um mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's that. So, um, yeah, <laughs> the po- the power rolls. It tends to get to his head. But then we have to remember, like, this is a kid mm, who, yeah, good point. who, like, right? And so what do you do? What do you think? Ha- like, when a kid is, is put in a position like that, they feel like, I, in order for me to be noticed, listened to, and respected, I need to assert power. When, when I see power, what does it normally look like? It looks like someone, you know, raising their voice or being very stern or assertive. And so I feel like he tried to, and which I think is what they probably purposely depicted, is that he was just trying to assert a, a position of power. And yes, I may be a kid, but I am powerful. And this is how I'm going to be powerful in this role. I would agree with that if he didn't have Floyd as a father. <laughs> You said earlier his voice was always so calm. He was always we talked just raved about how level headed he was and how he was able to to meet each need of the family. So like he has examples. He knows what it looks like. He He ego trips sometimes because he's a brainiac. And so he's going to continue to need (laughs) that grounding to be to be helpful for him. I also think that 
what we know of him is going to drastically change once he starts uh, really interacting with girls in a different way. So I think that like, too. Yeah. The, the yeah. young man that you know before girls is not the young man that you know after girls in any interaction mm-hmm. I've had with any men in my entire life. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like his engagement with school and, and the desire and, th- uh, you know, interest in it may very much decline, you know, depending on what's going on. So and even if it don't decline, I'm sure it will just present differently. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, probably not decline. Yeah, it will present yep. differently. Uh, how are you feeling about Mo? Is Mo going to be all right? Mo going to be all right. I think so, too. He going to be all right. Um. You know, I both gonna be all right. <laughs> he gonna be all right. I think you know he'll have some some you know maturing to do, right? Mm-hmm. And just like recognizing, like okay, I know you want to be silly and have fun, but let's let's ground ourselves. Let's get this task done. Let's get serious, right? And I think he's capable of it. Very much so. And I think he kind of, there's glimpses of that. When it was time to be serious, there were times where Mo was able to lock in. And there were quite a few times where Mo was the voice of reason. So mm. I think Mo is going to be just fine. I think he's just a knucklehead teenager boy. It yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's going to be good. Um, I think he's going to win over Yvette's heart. Oh, and they're going to actually have I a hope baby. not. No, I don't want them to. I, I, think, I think Yvette had her chance at the dance where TJ was the DJ and she let it go because she wanted to be with Jason Pitts from uh, Damn the Game. And so, it's, no, she lost no. her chance. Mo, you go be great. You go find your own woman and let that, let, let Yvette figure out her own stuff. Because while she was very headstrong and assertive and um, revolutionary in a way, she still was stuck in some some shallow patterns as well, which they talked yeah. about in, <laughs> in a couple episodes, especially where she was dating the sophomore um, mm. we, she, she realized that she was shallow and where mm. she, uh, jumped on that boy who just wanted to be her friend and tried to kiss him. He didn't want to. Oh, her. right. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's forced, she's forced to, uh, confront her own shallowness. <laughs> yeah. Which is a learning experience. We are the villain in somebody's story, no matter how much we rewrite our own, um, so I think Yvette will be just fine. I don't know if she's going to eventually go into something other than arts or if she just becomes a successful actress slash dancer or, or what happens. But I think that she will be all right. And if Floyd wasn't so light skinned, he could have been my zaddy. But, you know, I don't do, do people if that's about bright as me. So I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that. But Floyd was a fine man. And so I, I hope that... He very much so, especially second season, started dating more, started trying to build relationships mm-hmm. outside of just the family. And the kids were very realistic and like realizing like dad comes with a lot with having three kids. And so we want to try to help him out and make sure that we want him to be happy and have someone as well. And fully kind of became much more invested in his his own social life and what that looked like. I think he just really needed time to settle in into mm-hmm. that single parent role. And then once he felt good with it. He was back on the data scene and picked up women very easily and also let them go when it was time to very easily. I was proud of him. Yeah, he did. He did. I think um, Gabrielle Union really enjoyed him too. Hmm. Wasn't Gabrielle Union one of his, like the little girls, one of Yvette's uh, friends that had a crush on her daddy? No. Was she? Maybe I missed that episode. 
Exactly. I remember Taraji P. Henson was on the show, but I don't remember yes. her having a crush on uh, Floyd. I was like, oh my God, I didn't know she was on this show. How did I mm-hmm. miss that? It was a lot of different little uh, cameos of people at, when they were young. I enjoyed yeah, that. <laughs> it was nice. I really liked when sitcoms had little cameos of people. And let's not forget when Destiny's Child came up there. I mean, we have to say something or else we would have really heard it. <laughs> and I ain't say nothing about Destiny's Child. Yes, y'all. We saw them. They was on there. Beyonce and them. <laughs> right. Yes. Grab your union. Episode one. Episode one. episode. Sorry. One oh. episode. <laughs> she was uh, Lydia. What episode was that? Yeah, I remember because uh, I was like, Gabriel Union. And then and then I was like, oh, damn, why they had to make her this particular trope of being, <laughs> you know, oh, don't do not do that thing you do. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised. What? Yeah. I love the cameos. I love it. Those are my favorite things about sitcoms when they come in on there. Uh, but yeah, she was really and to him and she's like ew my dad like did, go look at his driver's license do you know his age and she was like yeah age ain't nothing but a number and it's just like very dismissive about the fact that no he's not meant for you and she kicked that out the house honey and sent her to florida she said go to florida and go stand outside a pharmacy i'm, I'm sure you'll find something more appealing there <laughs> oh <laughs> no that's right <laughs> So yeah, I'm looking at it now, not ringing a bell. Uh, it's just, it's me. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It, just, it was one problem. of those, one of those episodes that just went over your head. Understandable. I get it. I get it. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> Girl. I can't, okay. I can't remember them all. Because <laughs> it, it probably was the one that was playing in the background while you was doing your homework. That's why. Mm-hmm. Did I call you all? My bad. That, that's not my business. My bad, y'all. Accuracy. <laughs> Accuracy, (laughs) the background noise. (laughs) You do what you got to do, okay? I just always do a homework. I feel like I'm just always doing homework. You know what? That ain't got shit to do with this episode. So, uh, (laughs) any final thoughts on Smart Guy? (laughs) No, I I just want to say kudos to you all for creating this blackest. Disney sitcom ever with the best acting and script writing. And, you know, I just really wish that Marcus and Moe's Hood Safari continues. That's who needs, that's what the reboot need to be. It need to just be Marcus and Moe. Can we that's compromise? It. Can we do that? Yes, we can. <laughs> okay. Yes, we can. <laughs> I love it when things come together like that. <laughs> So, if you would like to support the show to help us get more content out to you all, you can visit our website and follow the support the show link to become a Patreon member or donate on our Cash App. Now, we're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we rather the kind that folds. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the DSM Podcast, and you can subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. While you're there, go ahead and leave us a comment because we are counselors and actually care about what you have to say. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Okay, bye, you cinephile.